because we're not able to have a, a Christmas service, I figured we'll just go with a uh, uh, pre-Christmas uh, text. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, verse 20. Uh, oh, you know what? As I'm getting older, those of you with the bifocals or the trifocals, as yeah, I know, I see you. Uh, hold on. Okay, now I see you. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, I had to hold my Bible up a little bit closer. I couldn't tell, figure out which verse. Uh, verse 26, Luke 1, 26 through 38. This is God's word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man who was, whose name was Joseph in the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born and be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to me, or, or let it be... Uh, to me according to your word and the angel departed from her as most of you know i'm a huge movie fan uh and as i was reading this passage this morning uh it occurred to me that this particular passage was very much a movie this particular passage uh reminds me of like one of those uh, opening shots where it starts way 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 out and it slowly focuses in and it's coming in, coming in, coming into view. You're traveling from way long distance away, all the way in uh, to where uh, the uh, scene opens with the actors. Now, this is one of those uh, moments in the scriptures where it's important, uh, where I think it's important to, um, uh, to think in terms of a movie. Of what this might look like if we were watching it on film. And, it's, and there are a few things that I notice. It's to set the stage, to set the scene. We're talking about Mary here this uh, today. But I want to show you something that's really fascinating to me, at least. What I notice is that Luke is describing God's narrowing focus, which is covering the scope of his relationship with his creation from universal to personal. If we notice in the beginning, it starts way off. It starts almost into eternity. And then God sends Gabriel, the angel, into time, where Gabriel was out of time, and now he's uh, coming into time and is being sent uh, in a particular time. In the sixth month, it says, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. It was out of God's non-time into our time. What I also notice here is that it's, it's also in a historical place in time as well. You notice it not just comes as it's focusing in it's going from eternity into time and now into even a smaller focus which is in the region of galilee now it's coming into a place uh, a physical location 
but not just a region, not just a generic uh, set of boundaries like a state, but a city to Nazareth. It's a real place. It's not mythical or imagined, but it is a real place. You can go there. But not only that, now it's even getting even smaller and the focus is becoming tighter and tighter. Now we're into a real family. It says that, that Joseph was the uh, uh, part of David's tribe. And this is King David. So now he's focusing in on uh, uh, a, a real person, a real family, and into a man, and then to his bride-to-be. What's fascinating to me, if I, if I think about it a little bit further, is that it's not just, it could have just ended with Joseph. He came to Joseph's bride. and never named her. He could have done that. And in that male-dominated culture, the story like this might have stopped at Joseph in order to give it more credibility or even more cultural acceptance. But Luke goes a step further. He says it's not, it just, it's not good enough to stop at Joseph. But we need to go all the way to Mary, his teenage bride-to-be. She is one of the least uh, in that society. She had really uh, not as much worth as Joseph did as the male. But yet this is the one that God sends Gabriel, his holy messenger, to. He sends to the least, least in culture, but God has ultimate favor on her. And in a, in a really amazing way, Mary has now joined the ranks of the faithful from the Old Testament. Abraham, Moses, Rahab, Elijah, David. You see, God himself has placed his grace and his favor upon this obscure teenage bride in a small town in the middle of nowhere. Here's what I also notice as, we, as God focuses our attention on Mary, that Gabriel's message is not a normal angelic communication. See, normally angels were messengers of doom. You know, if you saw an angel, it wasn't like, oh, this is great. It was like, oh, pack your bags. Things are about to get worse. They are usually messengers of imminent destruction. Things were about to go down if an angel showed up. But here, Gabriel comes and gives this message of grace, a message of invitation, a message of participation, as it were. And Mary... Uh, He's saying, Mary, God has placed his favor on you, and he, God wants uh, to complete Israel's chapter in history and inaugurate a new one, a kingdom for all, and he wants to, you to be part of that. And the scripture tells us here that Mary just sits back and is like, what is this? This is odd. I mean, it catches her completely off guard. In, in the scripture, it says that she was kind of disturbed by all of this. She's just kind of pondering. She may have been giving the angel a side eye a little bit, going, I don't know what you're selling, mister, but this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So the text is painting this picture that Mary is very deliberate and thoughtful in the absorption of Gabriel's message. It's kind of like staring at a complex puzzle and trying to best figure it out. In my household, uh, my wife Jen and my daughter Hannah really dig puzzles. And our kitchen table is full, uh, usually, of a puzzle, usually of something completely complex. And when I look at this, I have no thoughtful absorption of the puzzle. In fact, I have a revulsion, and I walk out of the room. I can't stand it. But they are just pondering it and trying to figure it out. And Mary, in the same way, is trying to figure out Gabriel's message here. And Mary does something really fascinating here. 
She asks for clarity. God says, I'm going to send Jesus, my only son, and he's going to uh, 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 be born of you in the same way that all humanity is born of women. And, and that's what's going to happen. Uh, and, and Mary's like, okay, um, I appreciate that, but how is this going to happen? Gabriel says, well, uh, God is going to cause you, a virgin, to become pregnant with a child who is the son of God, God of God, light of light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. And this baby will be God saves. He will inaugurate God's kingdom, and, and, and this is going to happen. And Mary's like, come again? How does this work? Maybe you can explain it one more time. See, Mary knows that pregnancy doesn't work this way generally. But I wanted you to think about something when you look at this passage. Think about Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Genesis 1-2 says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. See, right before creation, right before God said, Let there be light, the Spirit of God was there. And in the same way, this is what Gabriel is saying is going to happen. That the Spirit of God, the Spirit of creation, the one who caught, who was the, the force behind all that there is, will come and will hover in a sense in the same way that God hovered over create over the expanse and spoke light, God will speak the light of the world into her. See, Gabriel speaks the very same idea. He says the uncreated one will become created in Mary. And like new creation beginning within her, God's word will make it so. And then Gabriel goes on to give further evidence. He says, Sarah, or it gives us a, a, a reminder of Sarah in the Old Testament, where uh, there's another barren woman who uh, was told that she would have a child uh, and that through that child, there would be an expanse of a nation of Abraham that would be like the stars in the sky. She was barren. Gabriel says, your cousin, Elizabeth, who has been barren all of these years, she's elderly and has now in the sixth month of her pregnancy. Gabriel doesn't just give her uh, an explanation of what's going to happen. He also says, and also, there is more. Gabriel is trying to give her a foundation for faith, to give her the ability to respond with the most amount of information she could have. And Mary responds with textbook faith. Let it be unto me as you have said. Think of this for a moment. The weight and gravity of this kind of participation will make any one of us buckle under it. And yet we hear from Mary this teenage bride-to-be, let it be. It's as if she says, okay, I'm in. Let's do this. She goes a step further. She says, I'm God's servant. I'm yours. Let it be as you have said. I'm in. See, she confronts the complexity with saying, how will this be? Uh, she, she deals with the doubt by asking for clarity. But she doesn't... Uh, uh, she doesn't let the, the doubt and the confusion and the oddity of this request uh, prevent her from responding to God's invitation with trust. She trusts that God, who has made himself known in this moment to her, she trusts in his faithfulness and agrees to be a part of what God is doing. It reminds me of Abraham, where Abraham hears God's promise and trusts in him, and God credits him as righteousness.
as righteous. This is a great story. It's always, every year we remind ourselves of Mary and how amazing her faith response is to God's uh, invitation. What's God saying to you and I this morning? How does this relate to us? What is the Spirit of God speaking to us through this text? I think that he would say these things to us. God is inviting you to trust him in the same way that Mary trusted him. God is inviting you, my friends and family, to trust him in the same way that Mary, the mother of Jesus, trusted God in that moment. At least there are three ways that we, we should be trusting him. One, we have to trust God's saving work for you. You see, Jesus came in the ordinary way, but through extraordinary means, and he came to be the prophet, our priest, and our king. You see, he's the prophet because he has come to make God known and to speak God's truth to us and to make God's word known to us through himself. But he's also our priest in that he mediates for us, sacrifices his life for ours that we might become God's people. And then according to this passage today, that he will be our king. But he is a good king and the right ruler of all things and shares that rule with us. So God wants us to trust him for salvation. He wants us to say, what you have done for us, we trust it. Let it be unto us. We ought to trust God's or Jesus' work for our life. In his life, in his death, and his resurrection, God has given everything uh, for us that we might be his. And he has proven his faithfulness, his goodness, and love and grace in sending his son. And that whoever believes in him will have the eternal quality of life here in this time and in the one to come. And our response ought to be, let it be, as you have said. Secondly, we ought to trust that God will be with us in the in-betweens. We always love to kind of skip the, the pregnancy part of this whole story. Mary receives, and we just believe that somewhere along the way, because Luke doesn't really go into it too much, that, that the nine months immediately fast forwards. Well, she had to live nine months with the, uh, with the divine Son of God inside of her. See, Mary's acceptance of God's plan and submission to his power didn't immediately manifest in an instant kid. I know that all moms out there who, who get pregnant wish it would just happen really fast, but it doesn't. It takes a while. There was a significant in-between time, but yet Mary was not alone. She had God with her. Literally, God with her, Emmanuel. In the same way, God has promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. In fact, he's given us his very holy presence, his Holy Spirit to be with us, to dwell in us, and to never uh, abandon us, ever. So in the in-betweens, between the time that we receive Christ as our Savior and we trust him for salvation, God is asking us to trust him to be with us in the in-between times. In the times that are the mundane, in the times that are uh, the, the, the ordinary, the dry, the desert times, God is with us. And our response should be, let it be, as you have said. But lastly, we need to trust God when he invites you to be part of what he's doing in the world. Mary responded to the call of God with faith. Now, many of you know my story, but it be, when I was thinking of Mary today uh, and how she probably felt completely unprepared to be the bearer of the, of the Son of God, to bring him into this world, I understand what that feels like. 
I know what it's like to be on the, uh, going to bed at one night and hearing the voice of God saying, you're the, you're the next pastor of Harvest Community Church. And I was sure as shooting saying, no, I'm not. I know what that feels like when God says, I want you to participate in what I'm doing in the world. And this is how it's going to work. And I asked the questions. I'm like, how does this work? How is this going to happen? I'm completely unprepared. I'm like Mary, who has no idea what, how, how, how this is going to work. And God's like, I know. But yet in the same way, God is still with me and has empowered me and has given me the ability to do the things that I'm doing. This is God's work because I've trusted that he, uh, in his invitation to me to be a part of what he's doing in the world. And the question I have for you is, what's your story? I know all of you uh, in this place have had probably those moments where God has placed in front of you an opportunity to participate with him in this world. To bring his presence to people who may not ever have felt it before. And God is asking you to trust him. And our response should be, let it be unto me as you have said. So what's our response? How do we take what God is telling us this morning and put it into action? Well, number one, I think it's important to recognize that trusting God is the appropriate response to God's invitation. As I've said over and over again, let it be should be our response. When God speaks his word of salvation, let it be unto me as you have said. When God says, I will never leave you or forsake you, let it be as you have said. When God says, come join me in doing something for me or with me that I'm doing, come be a part of that, let it be. And when we do that, we ought not to trust blindly, though. We ought to consider the source. We ought to consider God's goodness, his faithfulness, and his grace and his love. And that his invitation to us comes not out of uh, like a, a taskmaster, but rather out of uh, his goodness and his willingness and his want for his creation, those in his image, to be able to participate with him. See, faith invitations don't ever shun the questions, though, either. We have the ability to ask God how, why, what is it you want me to do? Faith invitations don't shun the questions, but they do ask for clarity. And sometimes God in his goodness will tell you, and sometimes God in his infinite wisdom doesn't tell us. But our faith response ought to be just trust in God. But trust is also not a fatalistic resignation. It's not a, oh, well, give up attitude sort of thing. Faith is trust in the goodness of God and the honor of having found favor in God's eyes in this and accepting his invitation it is our ah sure god i'm down with what i'm down for, for whatever it is our way of saying may it be as you say so your mission should you choose to accept it consider which of these three locations that we've talked about today uh that you're in are you in need of god's saving grace are you in need of his own presence in the mundane are you in need of uh, uh clarity to trust his invitation my encouragement to you this week is to talk to God about the places that you might be in. Ask him for clarity and the ability to take him at his word and the courage to accept his call. Amen.